Many of you in here are dealing with a lion as I speak. If you're not, you will one day because we are in a battle on this earth and there's two things you've got to remember that God knows and God builds. Those two truths will empower you to defeat your lion in a pit on a snowy day. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. It's not everyone who can kill a lion on a snowy day while standing in a slippery pit. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today we're continuing a new series that I've called The Unsung Heroes of the Bible, where today I'm going to be talking about a man named Benaiah, the lion killer. You know, one of the great things about the Bible is the way it illustrates with a simple story a life principle that is impossible to forget once you know the story itself. Just such a story as that of a man named Benaiah who found himself facing a lion in a slippery pit on a cold, snowy day. Talk about being up against all odds. Benaiah's is a story of courage, resolve, and incredible victory that I believe is going to strengthen you in your own battles against the devil, who Peter said was like a roaring lion. So in a spiritual sense, we too are up against a lion. And as Benaiah got the victory against his lion, We also have been given great victory against our spiritual lion by the power of Jesus Christ. So let's go right to today's message, Benaiah the Lion Killer. Well, we shared last week that David had two groups of men at his disposal. He had a group of 30 and he had a group of three. He's like Jesus who had his three, Peter, James, John, his 12, his 70, both David, who was a type of Christ, and Jesus put people in categories, not in a demeaning way, but in a structured way. And we read last time and looked last time at his top three mighty men. Now today I want to move down into the 30 because Benaiah was among the 30. He had actually been made captain of David's bodyguard, and he was made captain of David's bodyguard based on three great, incredible deeds of valor that he did for which he became famous. Now, the first one was he smote these two lion-like men of Moab. This feat distinguished him because these two men were clearly, by their names, ferocious, serious, awesome fighters And he took them on at the same time, one against two. And he won the battle, and David said, huh, notice that. Now, the second great deed of Benaiah was that he fought an Egyptian, this man of great stature, nine feet tall, about the size of Goliath, who David brought down. This man had a tremendous spear. It says like a weaver's beam, six or seven inches thick. We would liken it to something like a flagpole. He just had this awesome, frightening spear that because of his size, he was able to handle and hurl with great accuracy. 
Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, met this huge man with his great spear, and using only his staff, he somehow knocked it out of this giant's hand, seized it, and killed the giant with his own spear. And David said again, huh, that's impressive. Now, these first two deeds of valor were done in front of others. No doubt in my mind, when he slew the two men of Moab, there were others watching. It was public. When he slew this giant Egyptian, it was public. He was, he was a part of an army, nine feet tall. You can't do that in private. But this third deed, when he killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day, nobody was there. We could say that it was a private victory that brought him public promotion. Can I tell you today, many of you are in a battle right now, and it's a personal battle. There may not be very many at all that know about it, if any, but can I tell you how important it is that you win it, and you're going to win it, because when you win those private battles, it sets you up for public promotion. David killed his lion and bear when nobody was looking. He killed Goliath publicly, but the lion and bear, nobody was there, but God and the angels watching. And he killed them. And it set him up for public promotion. Your battles are important. How you respond to them are important. Because they are the step towards greater usefulness. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Jeff, this is all very inspiring. What he did, these great feats. What an incredible guy. What a superman. But how does it matter to me? Let me tell you how it matters to you and to me. What this Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, did. It says in Romans 15, verse 4, whatever things were written before in the Old Testament were written for our learning, that we through them, through the stories, through the accounts, might have patience and comfort of the Scriptures, and that we might have hope. So these accounts, which are not myths or fairy tales, they're not legends that weren't true, they weren't written by Homer or Brothers Grimm. These are real stories, real accounts of real men who did real feats of valor, the real supermen, superheroes of history. They happen so that we can have hope in our own battles. So we're to learn from these things. Now, having said that, I want to learn from Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. And let me just show you a few things we can learn. First, we see that the three enemies that Benaiah overcame are all types and shadows and pictures and illustrations, symbols of the enemies that you and I face today, every single day. Matter of fact, the New Testament identifies these three enemies, his three victories identify three enemies in our life that the New Testament recognizes and tells us that we are at battle with. Now, first we're told that Benaiah smote two lion-like men of Moab. Who was Moab? What was Moab? Where did the Moabites come from? And why does it matter? Well, back in the book of Genesis, we're told that when Lot, remember when Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah, his family was there and the angels visited him and said, I'm about to judge these cities. You better get out of here. He actually had to finally grab Lot by the hand and usher him out. And it says that when he fled from Sodom, he hid with his two daughters whose husbands remained behind and were judged in the judgment. And they went into a cave, and there, in a tragic moral fall, we're told that Lot was made drunk by his two daughters. 
And then in his drunken stupor, he sired children by each of his own daughters. Totally gross, totally revolting, but it's what happened. Out of those daughters and the two children came the Ammonites, Ammon, and the Moabites, Moab. So the Moabites, very important here, were closely related to the Israelites through Lot and grew up right next to them, the wheat with the tares. And you know that any place you find the Ammonites and the Moabites in the Bible, those two tribes, though they grew up right next to Israel, they were the committed and bitter enemies of Israel, God's people, for time immemorial. All through the Bible, the Ammonites and Moabites were the bitter enemies of God's people. Now here's how it matters to you and me. We have an enemy within us that we also are related to. In the New Testament, it's called the flesh. It's referred to as our self-life or the old life. And Moab in the Bible is a picture of the flesh throughout the Word of God. Moab pictures, illustrates, symbolizes the flesh. So just as Moab was related to Israel, our flesh is related to us. It's part of us. We can't get rid of it this side of heaven. We can crucify it. We can walk in the Spirit, and if we do that, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But let you or I go without walking in the Spirit, and we will walk in that old Moabite, that old flesh. It lives in the back room of the house of our life like an unwelcomed uncle. There he is. And so Benaiah, figuratively speaking, got victory over the flesh. We're to learn from that. Now next we're told that Benaiah slew an Egyptian, this nine-foot-tall giant. Egypt is also used as a type or a picture of another enemy throughout the Bible that the Bible, New Testament, warns us about. Egypt was the leading nation of the world of that day. It was the country that was looked up to as the source of worldly power. Egypt was the nation that ruled the earth. It possessed vast armies and awesome temples. It's pharaohs with all their pomp and splendor and its libraries and accumulated wisdom were the envy of the world. But Egypt is a picture of the superficial glamour and empty glory of the world. It's a picture of the world that promises what it never delivers that beckons to us and calls to us like the sirens on the shore in Ulysses' tale who sang their song to bring the sailors to shipwreck on the shore. The world calls to us, but it's empty. There's nothing in it. Now, I don't mean God's creation. I love God's creation. I am amazed at God's creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. Every single day they utter their speech, and night after night they show forth the knowledge of the living Creator. I love His creation. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the world system over which the devil is God. John warned about it and said, love not the world, the world system. Because here's what's in it nor the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, that being, I don't need God. We don't need God. We're going to live life without God. That's the boastful pride of life. Lust of flesh, lust of eyes, boastful pride of life, don't need God, are not from the Father, but they are from the world, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. We are to not love that evil world system. 
So this second victory of Benaiah over a giant Egyptian is clearly an illustration of a man who also overcame the world. So we've got our mighty man Benaiah. First he defeats the flesh. Now he's defeating the world. I'm encouraged by him. Because if he can do this without the New Testament, without the filling of the Holy Spirit, without the Lord Jesus Christ living in his heart. He had an example, and the example was David. That was the Old Testament type of Christ, or one of the Old Testament types of Christ, but that's it. He didn't have what we have, and yet he overcame the flesh, and he overcame the world, and it didn't stop there, because this mighty man, Benaiah, also overcame the lion. He killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. I read afresh this week what a lion can do, just so you'll know. He finds himself in a pit in a snowy day, facing the king of beasts. I read that a lion with one blow of his paw, whack, can smash the human skull like you would break an egg. Boom, you're gone. He'd slap you and your skull would cave in. A lion is able to bite through any bone of the human body, including the thigh bone, like it's a chicken bone. With one crunch of those jaws, he smashes that thickest of bones in the body. And to face this kind of ferocious beast in a pit in terrible circumstances on a snowy day is an extremely courageous thing to do. And this is what Benaiah did. Now the parallel for you and I is clear in this third victory. Our enemy is the devil and Peter said he's like a lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's our ultimate enemy right now, the devil. He walks around. He is sinister. He's like a lion. Peter said, this is what he's like. If I could draw a parallel and tell you what the devil is like, he's like a hungry, ravenous, hunting, stalking lion that has tremendous authority and power. He roams around looking for somebody, literally in the Greek language it says, to eat alive. He's a devourer, a destroyer. So here in Benaiah's story, we see a man defeating the three great enemies of the Christian in a figure. That is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that's why he's called mighty. And can I tell you today, church, we're called to defeat through Jesus Christ, the world, and the flesh, and the devil. That's our call. And that's our battle. Now I want to go back to the lion. And I'm going to focus on the lion kill today. First, know this, that everybody in here, everyone, has a lion in your life somewhere. For Benaiah, the lion was the worst possible foe he could have encountered in a pit on a snowy day. And most of us have something like that. It's leaping into your mind right now as I speak. You're already thinking of what your lion is. It's something you fear. Or it's a weakness that stalks you and it has stalked you for years. It's the lion in your life. Something you feel helpless to defeat because it's bigger than you, stronger than you. It might be a painful memory. It stalks you all the time. Or a crushing disappointment you haven't been able to get over. And it's there, lurking in the shadows, ready to pounce if you start thinking about it. Maybe the loss of a loved one, you haven't been able to get over it. Or some haunting memory you've got of abuse. Or maybe of a sin you committed and though God's forgiven you, you can't forgive yourself. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, I forgive you. 
but you can't forgive yourself. You know that God has, but you can't let yourself off the hook. And it's like a lion. It comes at you. And you start to serve God and it pounces. You start to get regular in church and it pounces. You start to move on in the things of the Spirit and it pounces. It's there in the theater of your mind, always lurking. And you have wondered if you're ever going to have victory over it. The worst possible foe, the thing you have battled more than anything else, that's the lion in your life. But this Benaiah man, amazing. Because he not only met the worst possible foe, he met him in the worst possible place, a pit. If you're going to fight a lion, the one place to avoid is a pit. If I'm going to fight a lion, I want to be in a great big open field with plenty of running room and some trees with low limbs. And that's where I want to go because I don't want to be with my greatest foe in a pit where I can't get away, where I'm trapped, where there's no escape, and I'm going to have to face him. But sometimes God allows us in a pit so that we will face our lion and once and for all deal with him. But it even got worse for Benaiah because Benaiah met this lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And that just tripled the treachery of the situation because snow numbs the fingers. And he was using weaponry like a sword that he could hardly hold on to in that cold because the snow had fallen. He was with a lion in a pit on a snowy day. He couldn't hardly hold on to the sword or the knife or the spear or whatever he had. Snow numbs the fingers, makes it difficult to handle weapons. Snow makes footing treacherous and slippery. You're going up against a lion and your feet are slipping underneath you. You're going up against a lion and you can't hold your weapon. You talk about the odds stacked against you. Here's what you do when you're in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. You say, Lord, I give you this lion. Because if you don't come through, I'm cooked. Lord, do you see this lion? Because he's coming at me and my feet are slipping underneath me and I can't hold on to the weapon. And man, this is not a good situation. This is not what I planned on when I woke up this morning. And isn't it funny how our lions approach us in our weakest moments? Isn't it something the way the enemy can bring your lion your way when your feet feel slippery You're not having your best day. You feel like you can't hold on to the weapon called the Word of God very well. You're kind of struggling with some things. And right when you're in that pit on a snowy day, here comes your worst foe creeping up on you with every intention of having you for lunch. Now, here's the deal with this story. I want to know how he won. Because the odds, I look at this Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and I go, how could he have won? Well, the Bible story doesn't directly tell us. We're just told that he went into a pit on a snowy day with a lion and whooped him and came out and became David's bodyguard. And so at first there's no clue, but then I find there is a clue. And the clue as to how he beat a lion in a pit on a snowy day is found in his name. In the Bible, when you want to know what a man or a woman is like, you look at their name because God intentionally named people according to their character and their call. That's what he did. Biblical names are deliberately designed to give us a clue to the character of the person we're reading about. We see in Scripture that God would change the name of somebody who he had touched and changed inside. He would then change their name to catch them up with it or to to newly identify them. You see, 
if we live in the Old Testament, almost everybody in here would already have had a name change. Because how many of you can say, the Lord has changed me? I'm not who I used to be. Well, see, you would have a different name if we lived in the Old God would have changed your name. I think it's interesting that Revelation tells us we're going to be given a new name in heaven. For instance, Jacob meant usurper, supplanter. We might say con man. But God changed his name to Israel, which means prince with God. When Jacob went through a transforming experience in his life with God, God changed his name. He changed Abraham's name from Abram, meaning exalted father, to Abraham, meaning father of a multitude. He changed Sarah's name from Sarai, meaning dominating, to Sarah, meaning princess. I think Abraham liked the second one better. (laughs) Jesus changed Peter's name. He said, your name is Simon. It's not going to stay Simon because of what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to make you like a rock. And so I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter, the rock. That's exactly what happened to him. He became like a rock in Christ. So God names people according to their character. So that being said, what does Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, mean? Well, you'll notice that he's always named after, with his father coming after it. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. So his father's name is also important in the name and in our understanding who he is. If you take the meaning of those two names, you get the secret of how to kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Jehoiada, his father's name, means God knows. Benaiah means God builds. Can you say with me? God knows. God builds. Please remember that because many of you in here are dealing with a lion as I speak. If you're not, you will one day because we are in a battle on this earth and there's two things you've got to remember that God knows and God builds. Those two truths will empower you to defeat your lion in a pit on a snowy day. First, let's deal with them. God knows. When you face your lion, it's important to remember that God knows where you are. God knows. God never looks down and says, well, I'll be. What are they doing in that pit with a lion in a snowy day? He knew you were going to end up in the pit before you got there. Well, I hope today's message has encouraged you in your own battle with our spiritual foe, the devil. I got to tell you, there have been days where I felt like I was not only facing the devil in a spiritual battle, but just like Benaiah, the circumstances were tough and no one was in that pit with me to help. But even so, the Lord stepped in and gave me victory. Now, don't touch that dial just yet because we've got some exciting things to share with our Life Talk listeners you're going to want to take advantage of. And thanks again for making Life Talk a part of your day. We're honored you took the time and trouble to listen and pray you were transformed by God's mighty word. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, Benaiah the Lion Killer. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, 
Hi, this is Pastor Jeff. You know, every time God uses the ministry of Life Talk to transform a life by the power of Jesus Christ, it's because somebody like you gave financially and helped make it possible. Life Talk's daily program is listener supported, so if you're interested in supporting this ministry, call toll free 877 884 3111. That's 877 884 3111. Or visit us online at lifetalkradio.us and make a donation to empower Life Talk to continue transforming lives with the power of the gospel. Call 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us and give your best gift today. Benaya, the Lion Killer, is the second message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Unsung Heroes of the Bible. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Unsung Heroes of the Bible, for only $50 plus shipping. By logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.